Welcome to the In the News Show. I am Judy Desigatis, and I'm here today with my co-host, Father Bill Weary. Hello, Father Bill. How are you today? Very good, Judy. How are you today? Good, good, and welcome to our audience. I want to thank Joe Nebostinsky for our technical help today, and also David Hillowitz for our theme music that he provides to us. So um, let's start off today with um, something that, uh, a happy trend here, uh, which is always good to start off on a positive note. Uh, Midtown Manhattan young people are converting to the Catholic Church and um, as part of this wider anti-wokeism, and this is among the 20 and 30-somethings, I thought this was good because the New York Times had an article about it, and they tend to run on the liberal side. So um, we ho- we're hoping this is something that's going to be, um, you know, continue and not just right. something that will be short-lived. Yeah, it's a very, a very hopeful thing. Um, and um, the, the, the big question is if it's just a, uh, you know, it's, it's a trend or uh, you know, it's just something for um, you know, appearances sake. And nevertheless, um, it, it's, uh, it's a hopeful thing that um, it's, it's part of a larger anti-woke, uh, sort of an anti-woke movement in, in Midtown Manhattan in the, um, the some of the uh, groups uh, of the young people, 20s and 30s, as part of a, um, an anti-liberal movement among the young, um, wearing Trump hats, anti-feminist slogans, um, and a, a part of it is Part of it is conversion to the Catholic faith. Uh, Honor Levy or Levi, um, who co-hosts the trendy podcast called Wet Brain, uh, recently converted. And then there's Dasha Necrosova, a Catholic revert, and and she is an actress with a recurring role on HBO's Succession, and is a co-host of the podcast Red Square. All oh, these are people living in New York City and she's just come back to the Catholic faith. So um, is it just a, you know, as kind of a reaction against uh, wokeism or uh, is it something, you know, is it something deep and authentic? We certainly hope it bodes well for the future. So we'll see where that goes. That's a, that's a very good trend to be following and it, it does give us some hope. And I want to add to that about Shia LaBeouf has converted to Catholicism after studying right. for a Padre Pio movie. Um, and he is going to be putting out this movie, and he has converted and talks a little bit about his background. He was uh, not living a very good life. Um, he thought about even taking his life at some point. Um, he has been char- uh, not charged, but yes, charged with two misdemeanors. Um, with regard to petty theft and battery uh, involving his ex-girlfriends. And there was an article on Fox News that said he has now converted to Catholicism uh, because he is studying for this role. And uh, he feels that that's, he has found God through this and that, that through this doing this role that has sent him back uh, to, to join the church and um, to be able to do this role in the way that it needs to be done. And, you know, he's certainly got a big job with trying to play Padre Pio. That, uh, I'm telling you, that's uh, going to be something good. I can't wait to see when this movie comes out. So those are some definite uh, additions to the people that you mentioned uh, that are in the uh, entertainment world. And, that, and that's yes. very hopeful. That's very hopeful. 
Um, also, continuing with the fact that uh, with the Catholicism, this is also good um, uh, from Fox News. To avoid today's wokeness, parents are enrolling their kids in Catholic school. And we talked a little bit about this on a previous show where um, we have seen enrollments go up. And this was specifically in the uh, Mino, North Dakota diocese. They're seeing an increase of up to 6% in enrollment overall of parents enrolling their kids in Catholic school. And they're feeling that this is something that they're going to get some uh, good education in the Catholic school and protection from sending their kids to public school and everything that's been going on there. Um, have you I, heard any more about this, Father? Or you have anything to add with regard not, to that? Not really. Um, we have a niche market, if I can put it that way. Yep. Uh, that's a business type of expression. Um, it's more than just that. It's the, it's the gospel, but it provides a certain uh, category for people that we have to a certain brand, if you will, the you know of of traditionalism, of traditional values, and it's incumbent upon us to preserve that in our school, especially on the high school level and and, and the university level too. But here they're talking about elementary school and and uh, middle school and high school, and uh, it might be, especially on the high school level it might be a challenge there um, to to maintain that tradition and the integrity of the faith there may be pushed back from some of the students uh, and, and so on but we have to stand up against that and I, I certainly understand this that the, the, the parents are seeking out you know at our school we, we have a very small school it's K through 5 and we just had back to back to school night last night meet the teachers and um, uh, Father Peter my assistant said the opening prayer and they all went to their classrooms just the, just the parents and uh, we, we, you know, I hope that trend reaches Lewistown because we only have 64, about 64, 65 kids. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, K through five. Uh, nevertheless, about more than half of them are non-Catholic. Oh, really? Yeah. We have a lot of non, a lot of non-Catholics uh, in the, in the student body and they seek us out and, and they're, they're satisfied. And those kids, they get Catholic uh, doctrine. They, they all attend religion class and not exempt from religion class. Mm-hmm. So. That's okay with these parents. So, and I certainly would expect, certainly in our school, especially on the elementary level, that uh, there would be a, a protection of the children and not exposure to these very wild, um, inappropriate, and in many ways immoral ideas. Right. And even in this Fargo, North Dakota school board recently banned the Pledge of Allegiance because it included the word God. Oh, my goodness gracious. So this is the same district that they're seeing the increase in the Catholic schools. So, well, sure. I mean, it's it's happening right there. It's happening everywhere, but it's nice to know that the educators now have an opportunity to really give these children a good foundation, which we have seen that a lot of public schools are trying to destroy the children at the foundation. Right. So this is giving them something good to build on. Of course, it doesn't guarantee anything as they go forward, but at least it protects them, uh, especially the most vulnerable, those you know, tiny children, the elementary school kids in their formative years. So we'll, we'll wait to see what happens with that. And we hope that that continue that enrollment continues on the upward trend. Um, you know, shifting gears a little bit uh, with regard to the protection of our children. Um, this is something that is definitely disturbing. Uh, Atlantic Magazine recently published an article about the rosary as a militant symbol for new Catholic nationalism. Right. And um, Father, do you want to speak to this a little bit? Because I know um, you have some, probably have some thoughts on it. 
Well, I know a Bishop Barron, a Robert Barron, uh, mm -hmm. spoke vehemently against the article. It termed it offensive. Um, Fox News is also uh, railed uh, against it, and um, uh, Bishop Barron calls colossal, colossally. I'm reading here, colossally stupid article. And yes, it was in the Atlantic magazine. It associated the Rosary. Uh, with uh, militant extreme groups on the right, and and the article by a Daniel Panatin mm -hmm. suggested that Catholic prayer beads had become an extreme symbol, and he warned in the article that Catholics are quote a growing contingent of Catholic nationalism unquote, and uh, so the in other words stigmatizing the Rosary as a you know, as a symbol of hatred, supposedly, and of ex extremism. And he, uh, and, and they also, the article also zeroed in on our, our term that we use called, you know, spiritual warfare. So the the um, article writer riffed on that as an example. But for, for us, we understand spiritual warfare is coming against the forces of evil in prayer primarily in prayer. It could be demonstrations. It could be, you know, public, a public protest, certainly uh, public speaking and speaking out, but uh, primarily prayer. And the rosary, yes, is a, is a primary weapon, along with the mass, for spiritual warfare. But we do not advocate a violence or, or hatred or anything like that. Spiritual warfare, is, as Bishop Barron pointed out, has to do with prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Uh, those kind of spiritual weapons against the dark powers, both visible and invisible. So it's it's amazing to me that Atlantic Monthly would even print something like that. I mean, I know there is freedom of speech, but my goodness gracious, there's editorial discretion as well. And they they get articles all the time that they turn down, and this should have been one of them. They should have they should have turned down this article. Yeah, definitely, and it's obvious that the writer doesn't have any knowledge of just all the things that you described, why, why we pray the rosary. Sure. Um, and, you know, and he's claiming that it's entangled with this absolute lutist gun culture and conspiratorial politics and everything. And we've mentioned on this show before, and you just mentioned it again, that whenever we pray the rosary at the square, anything like that, it's always peaceful. It's not antagonistic. Right. It's uh, people, if they want to come up and ask what we're doing, we peacefully tell them what we're doing. We don't get in people's faces. They're no. getting it. They're getting into our faces, so to speak. So, you know, I did that many times before Hillcrest right. abortion mill right. on Front Street of Harrisburg, the, the rosary out loud uh, with the, with the uh, sidewalk counselors in the back, of course. And, and uh, by the grace of God, that place is closed. So there is there's great power in the rosary. And we certainly need all the graces that come from the rosary in, in the world today as as we are the church militant and maybe they've taken that the wrong way too um but we have to fight against our church enemies <clears throat> okay so the next the next thing that we can go to is um something else that's been going on is a distressing open letter to the nation's media yeah sponsored by the physicians for reproductive health demanding that the media stop interviewing or quoting anti-abortionists at all because you are thereby allowing hateful dangerous harassers to build a base and 600 signatures of doctors nurses and social workers have signed this it goes against the hippocratic oath does it not well and it goes against all kinds of journalistic integrity um i have a 
master's of MA in journalism from University of Missouri. I was a newspaper reporter for three and a half years before seminary. And you get the other side of the story. This you always get the other. You, you always get a quote from the other side of the story. It's just the facts, ma'am. Uh, this petition is calling for the media to not quote and not interview pro-lifers at all because you're just you know giving them a platform and that is just that is just astounding uh and saying that you are giving the opportunity for dangerous lies to spread from uh, pro-lifers about you are by way of asking them questions legitimizing their answers i'm quoting from this petition you are allowing hateful dangerous harassers to build a base that encourages protesting at clinics stalking and harming clinic staff and abortion providers no mention of course of jane's revenge firebombing crisis pregnancy centers they right. don't mention that right from from the other side we don't do that stuff so the, the, the fact that they would say this is censorship we have to go to break right now um we will be right back you're listening to 720 whyf holy family radio please stay with us we'll be right back Welcome back to In the News Show. Thank you for staying with us. Um, we're going to move on to another story. And this is out of Garden Grove, California, about the formal, Chris, former Crystal Cathedral. And this used to be um, under televangelist Robert Schuller. Some of you mm-hmm. might remember him. Um, he had an evangelical television show called Tower of Power. Um, and they had, sold, they had sold this church to the Catholic Diocese of Orange, um, and I, my understanding is that the diocese just got back the pipe organ <laughs> after three years from a renovation in Germany, and it was renovated for $3 million. That's so right. That's, a, and, uh, that's, that's good a, to have that's back. That's an amazing thing. That you could not make this up. The right. fact that <laughs> we have the Crystal Cathedral now, I mean, yes. we, the Catholic Church, uh, the, the Tower of Power, uh, or the hour of, um, hour of Power, I guess it was, called um i didn't watch it too much but it was very popular and Sh- and schuler was uh just an, a you know an amazing preacher and a very good friend of the catholic church good friend of fulton sheen mm-hmm. and while he had the crystal cathedral even had a statue of fulton sheen outside sheen had visited there and, pre- and preached there and yes really and they, they sent away the cathedral they after acquiring the the crystal cathedral they launched on a $72 million renovation of the sanctuary mm-hmm. that was completed in 2019. And now and now there's this uh, $3 million renovation of the organ. It was dismantled, shipped to Europe, um, I believe, um, in um, somewhere in, in, in Europe where it was uh, repaired, refurbished, uh, reassembled, uh, and, then, and then shipped back and re- reassembled, I guess, on site. And it, it's magnificent. Uh, the Virgil Fox the very famous uh, organist in the 1970s was um, uh, had uh, was involved in the building of the of the organ back in uh, uh, 19 it was dedicated in 1982 at the crystal cathedral mm-hmm. that's just a, it's just a happy thing that uh, you know where a little sign of, of hope I, I see where we're doing things uh, like that and uh, the, the sound is just amazing I'm told good for them I, I bet it is. And I know I've seen some EWTN broadcasts. I think Father uh, Spitzer is out there in California. And a lot of times on his show, uh, Father Spitzer's Universe, they'd show the backdrop of that cathedral. And it, it truly is gorgeous. I'd like to see it sometime. 
It's the fifth largest pipe organ in the world. Wow. <laughs> and it was suffering from an infestation of bugs. Wow. Um, its pipes were melted, its trumpets corroded. So now it's brand spanking new. At a tune of $3 million. <laughs> right. Good. Well, it must be beautiful then. I can't wait to hear that someday. Maybe I'll make a trip out there. So also we want to talk about that this weekend, there's the uh, the new Cardinals have uh, were named on Saturday. Right. Um, we've talked about this before, that this the, the names and all that the Pope has assigned uh, to be new Cardinals. Um, and then, of course, profiling Cardinal McElroy of San Diego, and there's 20 other Cardinals. So I think there was a mass, um, was the, for their installation wasn't that on Saturday at the Vatican? Yes. Okay. And a consistory, what they call a consistory. Right. Uh, 16 of the 20 are eligible to vote okay. in the next conclave. Mm-hmm. Uh, McElroy is the only American. And as you know, many have noted, the Pope is passing up a lot of the major cities that in the past automatically would get almost automatically get get cardinals like uh, Philadelphia mm-hmm. and um, San Francisco. And he's going for, you know, the developing world for and, and, and raising up a clergy from those areas to be to be cardinal. And McElroy is the only citizen of the United States among the 20. He comes w- with quite a resume, uh, got a bachelor's in history from Harvard in 1975. Robert McElroy, he uh, masters in and a master's in history from Stanford University, and uh, and then uh, obtained a doctorate in moral theology at the Gregorian University in Rome, and and then a, and then a fo- the following year, doctorate in political science hmm. at Stanford. So um, he was ordained a priest in 1980. Um, and in any case, uh, yeah, he was auxiliary bishop in, in San Francisco, and uh, so. Quite, um, quite, you know, quite an impressive background. There are concerns about his, uh, some of his doctrine, uh, doctrinal stances, uh, very pro-LGBTQ. Um, he has ex- has expressed, you know, concern about the high suicide rate among uh, those LGBTQ youth, um, which is a, you know, very decent concern. And uh, I'm reading a statement here that he issued. Uh, to LGBTQ uh, youth, quote, we stand with you and oppose any form of violence, bullying, or harassment directed at you. Most of all, know that God created you, God loved you, and God is on your side, unquote. Very good, which I would agree with, but um, I would also, you know, add to that, you know, the importance of chastity in the, in all walks, in all walks of life across the board. And in any case, it'll be interesting to see uh, the next conclave and how that's going to play out and whether or not, you know, the Pope's going to resign is given signals, I think, in, on both sides of the fence. So we'll we'll see where it goes from here. Yes, I know. And we, we also have that Pope Emeritus Benedict sixteenth is certainly up in years. Yes. So um, he Pope Francis has expressed the fact that if resignation was something that was something that he was going to do, that it probably would be after Pope Benedict the Sixteenth had passed, um, but we a, certainly know that that's a, a big question mark that only God knows when that's going to happen. So, but I believe Pope Benedict is ninety-five years old and he's is in frail has been frail. So, we we don't know what's going to happen there. But I think you're right. I think things are being put in place uh, for possible resignation. 
um, of Pope Francis, but we don't know when that that's going to be. Um, another thing that has been in the news that we've talked about before was uh, Pope Francis's hope that he could meet with Patriarch Kirill from Russia. Um, this was to take place in Kazakhstan. And um, this meeting has been scheduled uh, a couple of times, scheduled and rescheduled. And now um, Patriarch Kirill, actually of Moscow, says he will not attend an interreligious summit in Kazakhstan in September, where that's where the hope was that he would meet Pope Francis to discuss a peaceful resolution to the six-month-long war in the Ukraine. Um, but this doesn't look like that's going to happen now. And um, we were, they were hoping that maybe there would be a meeting at some point, and uh, that's kind of off the books now. Um, the Pope will be traveling to the Central Asian nation for the Seventh Congress of Leaders of the World and Traditional Religions in the city of Nur Sultan on September 13th to the 15th, but uh, will not be including a meeting with Patriarch Kirill, which is, you know, Patriarch Kirill has been supportive on the Russian side of the Russian-Ukraine war, so a meeting like this would have been a way to try to, uh, you know, communicate and, and try to see if there's something they could do, you know, other than prayerfully, but just try to, you know, work on some peace. But that's discouraging to hear that won't be happening. It goes back to uh, all the way back to May of this year, um, where the Pope and Kirill had a phone conversation that did not go well. Mm -hmm. I'm quoting the Pope here when he spoke to an Italian media outlet, quote, I spoke with Kirill for 40 minutes on Zoom. For the first 20 minutes, he read from a piece of paper he was holding in his hand all the reasons that justify the Russian invasion. I listened to him and then replied, I don't understand any of this. Brother, we are not state clerics. Mm -hmm. We should not speak the language of politics, but rather the language of Jesus. We are shepherds of the same holy flock of God. For this reason, we must look for a path to peace. We must stop the fighting. A patriarch cannot lower himself to become Putin's altar boy, unquote. Wow. I, I, I guess he said, I don't know if he said that directly to uh, Kirill. It certainly it seems that way, or if that was just a commentary to the media outlet. But in any case, that's, you know, that's pretty strong stuff. Mm -hmm. And the, the Pope has also been a little bit critical of NATO um, uh, for, quote, barking at Russia's gate, unquote. I don't know if that's entirely fair or not, but all that you know, is coming home to roost, I think, with the Kirill's um, cancellation of, of going to Kazakhstan, uh, Kazakhstan. And um, so hopefully in the future they will they will get together. The only meeting they've had is in Havana, Cuba, several years ago at the airport. And mm -hmm. the, that was historic. Uh, not a long meeting, just a sit down in a waiting room area or a meeting room. Uh, that was the first time that a Russian Orthodox Patriarch of Moscow has sat down and talked with, with the Pope in person. So that was uh, that was significant. In any case, uh, you know, whether or not there will ever be a reunion between Catholic and Orthodox remains to be seen also. Yeah, we'll have to see what's what's going to happen with that. And I think a lot of people didn't think that the war would be lasting this long. <laughs> this is this that's quite disturbing, too. So we, we have to continue to pray for peace in the exactly. Ukraine and that this is ended soon. And um you know, we just have to keep praying. So um, I just wanted to mention real quickly, we have about uh, two minutes left in the show that, uh, well, because yesterday was Sunday, um, but August 28th is the Memorial of St. Augustine. But of course, you know, when it's on a Sunday, um, 
St. Augustine got bumped, but but we know he's still doctor of the church. <laughs> it's always good to know when we talk about it earlier in the show, we talked about converts and, you know, a lot of hope. We, we know a lot of things about St. Augustine, um, and uh, we're just so happy that we have this doctor of the church. Uh, he was born in uh, northern Africa in, um, in A.D. 354. His father was a pagan, and of course we know St. Monica, who just had her feast day on Saturday on August 27th, was a Christian, and she basically prayed him into conversion. But he definitely had some def- interesting things that he did in his life. He uh, also had a son, which I, I knew he had a son, but they actually named, in this article from uh, National Catholic Register, actually names his son, I think I'm saying this right, Adeo Datus, which means mm-hmm. by God given. Didn't even know his name. In fact, I wondered what happened to him when they talked about that he had a child. And he, he's since, of course, uh, not long after Monica passed away, it, the child died as well, but didn't go on to have a, a very long life. But um, it was interesting that he was baptized. Augustine was baptized along with his son at the, uh, the Easter Vigil. But there's a lot of good uh, articles to, th- to read about St. Augustine. And we have about a minute to go, but I wanted to make sure that I mentioned that because a lot of people have read his confessions. He is a doctor of the church. He certainly has given us a lot to chew on with regard to our faith and given us a lot of hope that it doesn't matter where we come from, but where we're going. I just remember being in Rome by chance fi- finding the tomb of St. Monica right next door to the place where we were staying. I, we didn't know. Wow. I'd stumbled across it and uh, certainly venerated her tomb and took prayer cards back home, St. Monica prayer cards that beseech God uh, for the return of wayward uh, children, our wayward uh, sons and daughters and family members. I hand out a lot of those cards. So she is a favorite, a patroness uh, for praying for those who who have left the faith to bring them back or to convert all all altogether. And with that, We're going to end for the day. If you could uh, send us off with a prayer, please. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings upon us. Fill us with your grace, your peace, and your light. By the power of your Holy Spirit, touch us in heart, mind, body, and soul. May Almighty God bless all of you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you.